Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of today's Survival Show. Helping you do what you can with what you have. Wherever you are, this is a common sense prepper show. And this episode is going to be some more information about communications. If you recall, I did a, a show, I did an interview with Isaac up in Montreal a couple of weeks ago, shortly before Christmas, on bug-out bag communication. Well, now I'm going to talk a little bit more about off-grid communication, specifically ham radios. Now, ham radios is something I've been checking into. I've been very seriously considering getting my ham radio license and getting a ham radio set up, as well as probably a portable CB set up, too, so I can have some way to communicate in case the stink hits the fan. Once I build my prepper team, and by the way, I've already got a prepper team somewhat established. Um, there are three of us that pretty much have been training together now for about a year. So as Glenn Tate mentioned in the interview that I did with him about building a prepper team, which is also on the uh, Survival Champions Club podcast, if you choose to get that, it's also important to have a way to communicate if you have a prepper team. If you've been reading Glenn Tate's 299 Days series, you'll understand why it's important to even have a prepper team. But how are you going to communicate? That's the important thing, and that's what we talk about. So Mike Andron is my guest on this show. He's from California. He'll be introducing himself once we get to the interview. He's a ham radio guy. I guess he's been doing it uh, probably a little over a year now. So he's not a newbie, but he had some really good ideas to share about how to get into the ham radio arena. Again, that's something that I really enjoyed listening to. You know, one of the reasons why I do this show is because I learn as much from this show, hopefully, as you guys do in being able to put together uh, a weekly podcast doing this. So how do you plan to communicate if the stink hits the fan? Okay, If cell phones are not readily available... If, if the towers go down, if the network goes down, landlines go down, how are you going to communicate? Communication is vital. It's extremely important. You know, how are you going to be able to get in touch with loved ones? How are you going to be able to get in touch with the emergency crews? How are you going to be able to find out what's going on and keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening? Even if it's just a partial collapse, you know, Glenn Tate in his book, 299 Days, in that whole series, and I strongly recommend that you get that book, he talks about a partial collapse collapse. And as I get into book three, which I'm on right now, it's even more evident why communication is so, so vitally important. Can't stress strongly enough the ability to be able to communicate. So ham radio, everything from portable to ham radios in your truck or using them at home. Mike Andron is going to talk to me about that. He's going to talk to us, and you're going to be able to hear the uh, conversation that we just recently had. So here comes just a quick sound effect and my interview with Mike Andron on ham radios. Stay tuned. My special guest for this episode is Mike Andron calling in from California to talk about ham radios. Welcome to the program, Mike. Hey, Bob, how are you doing down there in San Antonio? Uh, pretty good. We're actually kind of cold as we speak. Uh, it's been kind of chilly here. I mean, you know, chilly as South Texas goes anyway. 
Yeah, I know what you mean. We're getting a little bit of that uh, cold spell coming, sweeping down from Alaska on the West Coast ourselves. And Well, we have something called solidified smog, otherwise known as rain, so we're not kind of used to that. And it's kind of fun on the highways right now. <laughs> well, around here, we're getting kind of some sleet and supposed to be some pretty heavy thunderstorms, which we need badly tomorrow. So that's good. So what brought you to becoming interested in the ham radio? Well, you know, just realizing the need for alternative communications. And you gotta you gotta forgive me because I'm I'm a newbie at ham radio, haven't even got my stuff together yet, so I'm hoping that you're gonna speak to that to the people who are interested in that. Well, you know, you sound like you're getting into it for the same reason that I got into it. Um Situational awareness is always a good thing to have, whether it's talking to your neighbor, talking to uh, your community watch group, or just being a voyeur and getting on the air and listening to see what's going on uh, either via television and uh, or radio, uh, commercial communication, or uh, if you have access to shortwave radio or ham radio, if it's, if it's a rather large outing uh, or outage, then you can get a better idea as to what's going on. That's my point, and that's, uh, that's my point for looking into this and the reason I'm checking this out. So you've been doing it how long? Actually, I got my ticket uh, November of last year. So I've been doing it for just a little bit over a year myself. In fact, um, you start off with a technician's class. That's the entry-level license. Okay. Then you move to the general class and what that allows you to do is you have access to a broader range of frequencies and power levels okay after that if you're the super bob bitchin type then you get your extra class license which lets you use more frequencies and more power oh okay so that's kind of the pinnacle right yeah that's that's the be all end all i mean if you are really really into ham radio and your neighbors are complaining because you can cook hot dogs from 50 feet away in their backyard you're probably going for an extra class (laughs) so you know it seems to me that ham radio makes perfect sense for any prepper why don't you talk a little bit about since just recently you got into it why don't you talk about how much does it typically cost to get started it's almost like it's almost like shooting you can start off with uh, an entry-level handgun, let's say a Glock. Mm-hmm. Universal, it'll get you, it'll get the job done. Or you can sit there and w- like it with anything. You know, it could be like a monkey peeing in a cash register. It runs into money real quick. So you can spend upwards of seven thousand dollars for a receiver transmitter that will have more power than you'll ever use, can do more things uh, esoterically than you would ever have a need to, unless you really decided to get into the hobby. So it would be buying kind of like a, a, a Nighthawk custom. Mm-hmm. So if I bought the Glock of ham radios, how much would I be spending? Well, I'll give you my example. I went okay. with a, an inexpensive handheld. Um, in the ham world, they don't call them walkie-talkies. They call them handy-talkies. Handy-talkies. God only knows why. And you can get one for 130 bucks. Now, in where I live in Long Beach, um, I can call the repeater that is located down by... Uh, where El Toro Marine Bay used to be in the mountains above it. 
mm-hmm. with five watts of power. Okay. That particular repeater is tied into 95 other repeaters, not just in California, but across the world. Nice. So there has been times when I've talked to a cabbie in London with my little inexpensive handheld radio and had a nice conversation, otherwise known as a CUSO. Um, I've talked to you guys in, in uh, South Australia. And that uh, was a repeater system called the WINS, W-I-N, system.org. Um, the notes will, uh, you can, I guess you'll put them in the show notes. There's a link there. And they yeah. Can, somebody can go on that website, click the listen button, and, and, and browse around on there to see all the different repeaters that you have access to. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, everything that Mike's talking about is going to be in the show notes for this episode. Absolutely. So for me, it was just, I, when I went ahead and, and decided to get into it, they finally had dropped the Morse code requirement, which was the big bugaboo for me, because um, I hadn't practiced Morse code since I was trying for my second class in Boy Scouts. <laughs> me either. <laughs> and I won't tell you how long ago that was, but it was before <laughs> men walked on the moon, but that's a different issue. Um, so... I went ahead, and once I, uh, I had heard that they had dropped that requirement, from the time um, I got the first application on my iPod to practice for the test, to getting my, actually taking the test was less than 30 days. Really? Okay. So start to finish from, from getting going to taking the test was 30 days. For me. And, I mean, I knew a little bit enough about electronics to be dangerous to myself and others. So some of the symbology and like that wasn't all that foreign to me. Um, but there's enough resources out there that you can, you can cram for the test and just get your entry-level technician's license without spending a lot of money. For, I mean, it's, it's um, the cost of getting a license for 10 years is like $15. That's nothing. And then, if you want to get a vanity call sign, like mine, then you got to spend a little extra money. Okay. About how much? Uh, another $10. 14, no, I'm going to take that back. $14? That's nothing. No. And, and by contrast, everybody talks about the family uh, FRS radios, family radio service, mm-hmm. and the general mobile radio service, the GPRS. Um, that five-year license will cost you $85. Okay. Now, technically, you know, you've seen all these little advertised radios. It's got miles, you know, 25-mile uh, range. That's if the phase of the moon is right, the Mayan calendar is on an odd day, and there's absolutely no electromagnetic or uh, radio frequency interference between you and the other handheld radio. Of course, now since the Mayan calendar has officially ended, that, that kind of goes away, doesn't it? <laughs> So, I mean, they, they talk a good story about, well, it's got 25-mile range. Yes, under ideal line-of-sight conditions. It's just the nature of the, of the radio and the frequency. Yeah. So I can definitely see huge, huge applications if the, if the crap hits the fan with oh, yeah. this. So besides, besides communication after the crap hits the fan, how does, what does ham radio do for you right now? Um. If you feel like, well, I do more listening than I do talking. Okay. 
Um, I do have some friends that I've made on the air. Um, the <laughs> You'll kind of laugh, but it seems like the biggest topics of conversation in ham radio are, what kind of equipment are you using? What kind of antenna are you using? And, oh, by the way, how's the weather? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the initial conversations. They have these things called nets, where if you want to talk about a digital form of ham radio, it's called D-Star or APRS, they'll have a net for that, where on a certain frequency, everybody tunes in at a certain time each week, and it's a round-robin discussion on whatever the topic is. Okay. There is a survival net, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's on a series of frequencies that I don't have equipment for yet. It's, it's what they call high-frequency or HF. The, the mode that I'm dealing in with my technician's class is UHF and VHF. It would be 2 meters or 440 or 70 centimeters, which they're, what they're describing there is the, the length of the frequency. Mm-hmm. So one complete um, up and down run of the frequency is, is two meters. Um, okay. They have some, well, there, uh, this wind system that I was talking about earlier, at every night at 11 o'clock for 20 some odd years, they have a net that does nothing but do trivia. Really? Well, Mike, let me ask you this. Um, it sounds like some, some trivial conversations, no pun intended, uh, right now. However, what kind of conversations do you think would start to occur after the stink hits the fan? Oh, that's easy. You have um, emergency nets that are in the Los Angeles area in four distinct different regions. All the local hospitals have um, radios in them that connect to this net. Amateur radio operators will either handle uh, traffic from their home locations or they will go to those hospitals and handle emergency traffic. Okay. Um, every, just about every major police station also has a ham radio station inside of it connected with the... Uh, oh, God. I'm at a, at a blank for the name of the service, um, D-A-R-N-S. It's the, it's the Amateur Radio Emergency Services Group. Okay. And they have specific frequencies that you can tune into. You don't talk on them necessarily unless you're part of the network, but you can monitor it because it's free open communication. Oh, okay. So you can hear everything that's going on. Now, you said yours is a portable Okay. I also have a unit in my truck, which um, I think grand total for what I bought for the unit, the antenna, and all that was about a thousand bucks. Now let's let's get back to your portable for a minute. What kind of a portable yeah. unit do you have? It's a little Chinese radio. The way you pronounce it is open to discussion, but it's a most people settle on Wusan. Uh huh. I see it right now on the internet. Wusan. Exactly. And Wusan is, I mean, is it full-featured? No. Can you push the talk to button and, and get and make contact with another human being? Sure. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's $130. You've got Kenwood, ICOM, um, to, are the two biggies. 
Yesu is another biggie. Yeah. Um, they're all they're all companies out of Japan except for the Wusan. They have a tremendous uh, amateur radio industry over there because there's a, a few manufacturers left here in, in the United States, but not that many because uh, Japan just took it over leaps and bounds. I see that um, there's a Kenwood that's about 180 bucks. Looks like a nice one. Yeah, it's probably a little two meter 440 rig. That's the common one. 60, uh, it says 65 watt mobile ham and amateur two way is what it says. Yeah. And the, the beautiful thing is, you, you know, the the licensing uh, isn't. It's not all that hard. You're memorizing the rules of the road. If if you can if you can pass a driver's test, you probably can pass a technician class test with a little bit of studying. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, so once you pass your test, let's say you get a little portable. Now you said you've also got um, you got uh, an expensive one, right? About a thousand bucks. Yeah, I mean, I figured by the time I bought the unit, got it installed in the vehicle, you know, bought the antenna, two antennas actually, um, for the truck. Um, that was a, and then a, the necessary filters and stuff like that, you know, to, to clean the power up. Um, it was about a, it was about a grand. Okay, so you do more listening. You said you do more listening right now than you do talking. For the most part, I mean, there will be times that I get in if I talk, you know will make contact with a uh, with a buddy of mine. Uh, you know, we might talk for like five or ten minutes, and then we back off and let the uh, the channel open up to other people that may want to join in. Mm-hmm. So, what are you listening for? Um, right now, traffic. Well, it'll, it'll be traffic conditions, or it depends. All of a sudden, somebody will be talking about um, you know something about ham radio. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a technical net that goes on on Friday evenings at about seven thirty on that wind system, and anybody can can radio the the net controller and ask him a question, and then the uh, about radios and any technical stuff. And if Shorty, who's the owner of the repeater system, does not have the answer, well, he's got some of his people that help him run the network, for lack of a better phrase, that might have that answer. Ah, I see. So you have a lot of online um, learning capability, both on the Internet, on YouTube. One channel um, for YouTube that is excellent is Comms Prepper. All right, let me look that up. Comms Prepper? C-O-M-M-S Prepper on YouTube. Okay. And if you want a weekly radio show, well, actually, it's, I can't see it's a, it's a vodcast, I guess you would call it that, mm-hmm. on the Twit Network. It's twit.tv. Uh, you want to look up Ham Nation. Okay. And Ham Nation is run by Leo Laporte. If, uh, if anybody's listened to his radio show, The Tech Guy, on, on the weekends, uh, he sponsors this particular vodcast. Bob Heil of Heil Microphones is the host Gordon West, who is a legend in amateur radio and training, um, is a co-host. And they will take you through all the different aspects of ham radio. Okay. And if you start with episode one, and there are about an hour each on Wednesdays, and you can go back and, and get previous shows, um, you'd be, it'll take you and, and open up the whole world of what's available through ham radios. If you want to talk to the space station, you can do that. If you want to bounce your signal off the moon to another spot on Earth, 
you can do that too. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's it's you know it's it's how involved do you want to get? Well, now your little. So let me ask you a question. Your little portable unit that you have. What do you uh, use that for now? Primarily, it's communication uh, between me and a buddy of mine who also has his ham radio. Um, as you know, if for those times that the cell system doesn't work. Yeah. Not that we've ever had an earthquake here in Southern California. No, that never happens. I know. Um, but the cell system will be busied out immediately. The only people that will have access to the cell system will be emergency workers. Exactly. Your landline telephone may or may not work. So many people today don't even have a landline. They all, they've all gone to cell phones. You may not have another way of viable communication between you and your loved ones. That's right. Yeah. So that's a great bug out bag item. Oh, God, yes. And the nice thing is, is for those that are worried about electromagnetic pulse, you can go ahead and buy a couple of these things, throw them in a trash can, throw them in an ammo box, lock the, take the battery off, throw it in an ammo box, close the lid. You're good to go. Yeah. It'll be protected inside there. Exactly. Now, the, the, one of the reasons uh, I got the radio that I did for my for my vehicle, let's say there's four of us, and we're out in the middle of nowhere, and none of us have a great line of sight signal between each of us, but we have a pretty good line of sight signal between my truck and their radio. I can take my radio that I have in the truck and make it into a miniature repeater where you can call in it will then take the the signal, receive it on one side boost it to maximum I think 75 watts on the other side and rebroadcast it gotcha, okay okay, so this way um, radio A can talk to radio C through the hub of my truck where if it, if the truck wasn't there, they would not be able to, to affect communication. No, I understand. Well, now, okay, compare this, because I know here's what some people are probably thinking as they're listening to this. Uh-huh. Let's talk about your portable. Compare your handheld, your handheld ham to a handheld CB. Explain the differences. Okay. Uh, more po- well... Cleaner, clearer communication because one's an AM frequency, which is the CB, and the other is uh, FM or frequency modulated on the VHF UHF. So you get a uh, you get more effective, clean use of the power with the FM signal. And anybody who gets into ham radio, let me warn you right now: do not, under any circumstances, use CB terms while you're using an amateur radio. <laughs> I kind of knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you, will, you will be instantly notified by the way, those on the frequency of how you're not supposed to be doing that. Just as a little data point. So there's a little bit of elitism there, but I think rightfully deserved. Oh, sure. I'm sure it is. Okay, so you got, you got greater range, you got clearer reception. More ways of communicating. Mm-hmm. There is a way that you can use and send email on the radio. Really? Okay. You have digital interfaces that you can use between your PC and the radio where you have a, an email client that you can connect up 
your PC to the radio, type out whatever emails you want to do, send, and send them over the radio. Nice. Um, so it's uh, PSK31, which 31 is the baud rate, and you can just communicate. Almost, It's almost like chat, except you have uh, an amateur radio between you and the other, the other station. Okay, now I think you brought this up earlier, but if I might have missed it, so I might ask you to repeat it. Okay. With your Wusan handheld, what's your effective range? Well, let's see. I would say with 5 watts of power and a decent antenna, I can get 25, 30 miles. Might be a little more than that from, let's say, Long Beach Airport to Camelback Mountain uh, here in the in the eastern regions of Orange County. Now, when you say a decent antenna, do you mean the little um, little rubber duck thing that comes with it or something different? Yeah, you, you have, well, see, but you it comes with an antenna, but you can also buy aftermarket antennas, too. Yeah, and are you talking about using an aftermarket? Um, aftermarket will ensure it a little bit more, but the one that comes with it is designed for the radio and works fairly well. It okay. all depends on, you know, um, if... Um, if you want to go ahead and accessorize and maybe boost your antenna gain by a, a little bit more, give that little extra oomph, yeah. then, yeah, you can go and spend another 30 bucks for another antenna. Um, for my emergency communications, um, what I did is I set up um, a painter's pole. Mm-hmm. That'll give me 18 feet up in the air. Mm-hmm. I bought a coax connector two pieces of welding wire connected it all up with a piece of coax and I can hoist that thing 18 feet above whatever surface I'm on. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing the ingenuity that has come from ham radio. Cool. So now the specs on this say about 13 hours of operating time. Do you really get that? Uh, yeah, about that. But okay. then you have standby time, too. I mean, if you're listening more than you're talking, then you're going to get more battery life. Well, that's pretty good. I mean, like, for something in your bug-out bag, that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Bob, here's the other fun thing, too. You can buy a back that goes in the back of those little Wusan handy talkies that takes AA batteries. Okay. Oh, okay, good. So, you know, if you run out of uh, the lithium-ion that comes with the radio... Have a bunch of double uh, double A's, slap them in the back, slap it on the radio, and you're good to go. And it's also powered by USB, isn't it? Not that no? I've seen. Oh, wait, okay, never mind. I thought maybe, I was reading. Maybe one of their models. Uh, their or maybe models it was something else, yeah. But the, uh, was it KV3 that I have? Uh, it's just a, it's a 2 meter, it's a 440. Uh, I think it's got 100 memory channels, so, I mean, you can program it for up and down the state. Okay. Uh, or actually, you can program it for anywhere you want to go in the country to hit different repeaters and things of that nature. Because what you're looking at, for 2-meter, it's more local communication, same with 440. 440, by its nature, will promulgate the signal a little bit better than 2-meter. Okay. When you start getting into the international or interstate, uh, then you start getting into the high-frequency stuff and talking between Oregon and Florida or talking to some guy in the middle of the Pacific Ocean when you're not having anybody else between you and them but that radio station. No repeaters get in the way. Okay. 
And that's when you need the, the, the better radios. And those you don't normally see as a handheld. Uh, there are one or two out there, uh, handhelds out there that might have a, uh, a high frequency built in. Yesu is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, for what you're, you know, what you're trying to do, if for effect local communication, a little handheld will work just fine. You can get a a, a car audio, uh, a car based uh, unit, portable mm-hmm. unit, mm-hmm. for three four hundred bucks. They don't have to call. You know, Alenco is another brand of uh, radio that's not terribly expensive. It'll get the job done. You can also bring that radio into your house, put it on a 12-volt uh, transformer system, hook it to an external antenna, and increase your range because now you've got a better antenna, and it's hoisted up higher in the air, and you're talking to people. Okay. Interesting. Um, oh, okay, you know what? I know where I got sidetracked. The reason I brought up USB, it's a USB programming cable. Okay. Oh, yeah. Fine. Yeah, you All can right. program. That is the way to do it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's almost like a test of manhood if you can program your radios manually. <laughs> I, however, don't have those skills. So I go to the computer and I type everything in, make sure it's right, and then I download it to the radio. Yeah. There's some publishers out there that, that publish a radio programming software that you can type your list one time and you can export it to the different radios you have based on the cable that you hook in. Mm-hmm. So it'll tr- interpolate from its database what an ICOM wants to see, what a Yesu wants to see, etc. Okay. So, so that makes it kind of nice. So... What are some of the other benefits that you found in? Okay, so you're building your preps and you're building your yeah. you're, you're building your communications. If the stink hits the fan, you're building yours pretty much around ham radio, aren't you? Well, that's you know it's just one more tool in the toolbox. I've got landline communication. I've got cell phone communication. I have FRS radios. Um, well, the FRS slash GPRS radios, mm-hmm. and then I've got then I go to my amateur band. And then I have the uh, the ham radios as well. Okay. And that's the way I've got, you know, the only thing I, I have left to do is signal flares, semaphore, and uh, smoke signals. <laughs> that's good. I like that. <laughs> but not many people can really smoke these days. And besides, it's California, they don't like smoking anyhow. Yeah, you're kind of screwed in California with that, aren't you? More ways than one. <laughs> um, yeah, well, this is good stuff, especially for someone like me that's uh, pretty much just exploring this. So talk about some of these training resources. You sent me some links. And by the way, folks, everything is going to be in the show notes because Mike sent me some good links. But talk about uh, American Radio Relay League. Okay. org is the organization that manages all the testing and like that for the Federal Communications Commission in the United States. Okay. They are the big dog in the room that makes all the rules. Ah, okay. FCC enforces them and will take, if you are, well, this is one of the things I didn't know. If you have, uh, if you generate interference um, that would interfere with the public radio waves and things of that nature, the FCC could come in your front door and take anything electronic. No kidding. Yeah, 
It's been and that's that's a years old law, but yeah, they, they really want to get nasty about it. But anyway, so the ARRL is the one that wrote the, the book. They have training manuals for each class of license. They have um, anything amateur radio. They're gonna have a book addressing it. Equipment, antennas, designing of, of different pieces of equipment, all the all the digital modes that you can operate in with amateur radio. That's the first stop. Then, if you want to go for training resources, well, Gordon Re- was Gordon West. Gordon West has, books, yeah. Right. Gordon has uh, has written many books. Um, it's a He's a wonderful resource of information for you know what you're going to be what's going to be covered on the test. It gives you enough background, so you kind of you know you're not just memorizing an answer. You're you got some theory behind it. Yeah, it's not terribly. It's a twenty-five. No, I take that back. It's thirty-five questions of which you have to get uh, twenty-six answers right to pass the test. Right. It comes out of a question pool. I think they've increased it now to like 350 questions. Okay. And out of that, they'll grab 36, and then they'll test you on it. Okay. Um, there are iTunes apps. There are Android apps. Yeah, you mentioned, what are, what are the names of some of those apps? You mentioned that earlier. You know, there's like 20 or 30 of them. What are your favorite ones? Uh, the one that I was using, let me see if I can go ahead and bring it up here real quick. My iPod lets me in. Because what I did, uh, I, I didn't cheat necessarily. But I went ahead and got, uh, it's called Exam Prep. Uh, let me see if I can tell you who it's written by. It's called It's called Exam Prep? Yeah, Exam Prep, um, about the application, by Patrick Malhoney. One of my people, M A L O N E Y L L C. Okay. Um, and what it does, it will. You, I mean, you can sit there when you're you're just having a cup of coffee and take a practice test, and it'll tell you where you went right, where you went wrong, and what the correct answer is. Oh, that's cool. Oh yeah, Android. Uh, there's an Android version of it as well. I don't happen to know the name on that one. Again, I would look at Comms Prepper. Uh, on YouTube, Ham Nation would be another great one. Yeah, uh, uh, I'll put links to all these in the show notes, by the way. Yeah. I'll also put these on the forum as well. Okay. Um, for some of the, if you, if you want to see what people are talking about, uh, I would go to winsystem.org, uh, go to the streaming audio page, and just listen. Uh, you can go to echolink.org and do the same. Now, Echolink's a little bit different where what they have done is over the Internet, they have tied a radio to the Internet. So if you, if you want, you can, if you have a microphone on your computer, you can log into a node. Mm-hmm. You have to have a call sign in order to be legal. But you can affect radio communication through your computer is logging into this node, and then anybody else that's connected through the Echolink system will hear you. Now, you mentioned wind system earlier. When you go there, your notes are telling me that you can listen to over 95 different repeaters from all over the world. Yeah. 
That's cool. So you click the streaming audio page. So what are you listening to? Are you listening to live or you listen to a recording? No, you're listening live. Okay. Uh, it might have about a five-second delay, but it, you know, different times of the day, you have more traffic during drive time than, than not. Um, but these repeaters are located out of the 95, and I think it's gone up since. About 80 some of those are up and down California, and then you have them in Texas. You have them in England. You have them in Japan. You have them in Australia and uh, Alaska. Yeah, I'm going to do that probably shortly after we finish up with this interview. I'm going to listen to that for a while. Yeah. Now, if you want to check out some of the digital modes that are available, I would look at dstarinfo.com. D-Star Info? Okay. That's a digital uh, form of communication that ICOM has in all of their radios. In essence, with, with amateur radio, normal communication, it's analog from your radio to the other antenna. Okay. With, with D-Star, what they've done is your radio encrypts. Now, it doesn't encrypt. It, di- it, it digitizes your signal. In your radio, transmits digitally to the receiving station. Mm-hmm. The receiving station will then be able to direct your transmission. If I want to talk to a buddy of mine in South Africa, and I have, I can program in his call sign. The I'll make the I'll make the call to him on the radio. Mm-hmm. With his call sign, the computer that manages D-Star will know the last time this person was on the air That's and cool. what transmitter they were on. Oh, okay. So, it well, the first place it will rebroadcast that signal is at that location in South Africa. Oh, I understand now. Okay. I mean, it's it's fabulous technology, and I and I and you know, as a newbie myself. Um, I'm just scratching the surface. If I if you wanted to get buried in this hobby, you could very easily. Yeah. If you just want a good emergency communication where you can listen and find out um, what's happening in your local area, you can do that too. Yeah, it sounds like you can go as deep as you want or just uh, keep it as basic as you want. I w- uh, the club I belong to operates the radio room of the Queen Mary. Okay. And I was down there visiting a friend of mine who is an avid code operator. He's 93 years old, <laughs> um, was a pilot in World War II, and is a, you know, I mean, even at his age, Jack can still push a pretty mean code key. He was in a conversation with a guy in Yokohama, Japan. All the stars aligned and the ionosphere lined up correctly, using something like 10 watts of power, and they were conversing back and forth and using Morse code. Really? And it just absolutely blew me away. Because that's one of those things where you hear, yeah, you can do it, and yeah, okay, that's great. But then to actually see it happen, yeah, <laughs> that's a whole different, that puts you in a whole different food group. You know, speaking of Morse code, you brought it up earlier. Um, I'm noticing, noticing here on Gordon West's website, it was back in 2007 the FCC dropped Morse code testing. Right. Okay. And um, when that happened, boy, I mean, they... They really saw a big, giant increase in licensees. Well, I would imagine, sure. Yeah, that was the big hang-up. Sure, that's kind of one of the reasons why I shied away from it earlier. Oh, yeah. And, um, well, like we were talking about earlier, 
the reason why it was required is because everybody that had gotten their license before knew Morse code. Yeah. So by God, if I learned it, they're, you're going to have to learn it too. Well, they finally got away from that when the Coast Guard stopped uh, communicating with ships at sea using Morse code or in the vernacular, CW. Mm-hmm. What the phenomena is now, now that they don't require it, more people are learning it. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> it is the wildest thing. When they are told they have to have it to get their license, but they want to do it anyway. Yeah. Why is that? Why do you think that is? Because it's, it, it's again, it's almost like a rite of passage. You know, <laughs> yeah. I know code. I'm happy for you. <laughs> I'm dyslexic. You don't know what I'm receiving, and you don't know what I'm sending. <laughs> so, but uh, the nice thing about it is because it, it doesn't it doesn't take near the amount of power that it does to take and put your voice over the air. And you can, I mean, you can build these little teeny transmitters uh, with a Morse code key and affect communication all over the world. It's just a real, real, real simple setup. If, and if you want to learn that, that's God bless. That's fine. Well, you know, um, what's interesting is, you know, recently I did the uh, the interview with Glenn Tate. I think you probably might have heard that by now. Right. The the author of Two Hundred Ninety Nine Days, and you know, in his book series, he talks a lot about the um, the the, the post think hit the fan communications. And I think just if you've got a, a prepper team built together, I think this would be great for communication between prepper teams. Team, the thing you team have members. To remember, Bob, is you cannot encrypt communication. Okay. Um, every, but that doesn't that doesn't mean you can't have a a list of of frequencies pre-planned. Exactly. And yeah. And you can tell you know if you get some idiot that's um, that's jumping on your signal, you can just say, okay, guys, everybody go to channel three. Everybody that's in your team knows what channel three is. And it might not be channel three; it might be something else. Well, no, because everything's frequencies. Oh, so I got you. Okay, four eight dot oh six zero. But as far as as we're concerned, it's a simplex. Well, simplex means um, radio to radio communication. Okay. And one guy talks, one guy listens. Duplex okay. uh, is like a, like we're having a, a regular telephone conversation. Right. We're having a duplex conversation right now. Right. Um, so you just make up, you know, you figure out a frequency that you want to use for four eight dot one, and that you identify that as channel one. Well, you guys all know on your radios because they're all programmed the same. If you flip to channel one, it's going to be that frequency. Yeah, exactly. Communication. So if you got somebody on your frequency, you just hop to another one. Yeah, you have to do that with the FRS radios because everybody thinks they have privacy tones, um, which. They call it that, but it it all that does is reject other callers that don't precede God, how can I put this in English? As opposed to radio and knees. When you press the mic, it sends it sends a sub audible tone out ahead of your voice. Okay. On the FRS radios, if you have a tune for one of those quote privacy codes, close quote. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't have that tone programmed in the receiving radio, the receiving radio has it will reject it. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Okay. However, if you're just scanning and listening, you're still going to be heard. 
So it's this false sense of security when you're using the privacy tones. So it's really not all that secure. No, that's the downside. And yeah. Amish radio, you know, you cannot have it encrypted because the FCC has listening stations everywhere, and um, they will go ahead and you'll get a ticket in the mail if uh, you do something nasty. And they can yank your license as well. Okay. No, you know, you have to watch your language. Um, the person that owns the repeater that you are talking through uh, has to monitor because they are responsible for all the traffic that goes over their station. I was wondering that. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. You know, you mentioned yeah. the repeaters, and I'm wondering, well, who's responsible for these repeaters? Yeah. They're just like an individual radio, and uh, the the one group I've been talking over, which in this case I, I happen to like the wind system, the PAPA system also is out here in, in Southern California, which is the digital D-Star side. Um, if somebody's coming in on a node that is acting like an idiot, uh, he turns off that transmitter. <laughs> it leaves uh-huh. it off for an hour until they go away. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, hi, we don't want you anymore, so goodbye. And there you go. Thanks well, for playing. You know, mail in next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny. Well, Mike, we're kind of coming up against a, a time limit that I like to impose on on interviews and stuff so we don't drag on too long. But if you wouldn't mind recapping for for my benefit, but also for the people, sure. people who are listening, someone that wants to get started in ham radio, what should they do? First thing you do, Twit TV, Ham Nation. Watch a few episodes. Twit TV. Twit TV, Ham Nation is the is the vodcast, VOD cast. Okay. Um, go to, uh, I, I'd say, Comms Prepper on YouTube. There's other resources on YouTube as well that you can watch. That'll give you a good feel for it. Go to okay. Win System, uh, listen to the streaming audio there on Echo Link. Uh, you can read up a little bit more on it on the ARRL website. And at uh, Twit TV, what's the what's the uh, episode? Ham Nation. Ham Nation, okay. You know, in fact, you remember Joe Walsh? Yeah. He is a ham operator, has been for years, and wrote the theme for the show. Really? Yeah. Um, also, the guys at Thunder Ranch have a big um, ham station set up down there. Okay. Down, the one down in Texas, when mm-hmm. before Clint moved up to Oregon. Mm-hmm. That and then if you if you you can always check out the Amateur Radio Emergency Services Group. Um, they have the one the, the one that I'm familiar with is A R E A pardon me A R E S L A X dot org, and that's the uh, local emergency services group here in uh, the South Bay area of California, the L A Orange County hub, to see what they're about and. That's. I would also then for for again for for more training, Gordon West. Mm-hmm. Do a Google search for Gordon. You'll see all of his learning uh, materials and and things of that nature. So, if you want to get into ham radio, all you need is a technician's class license to get going. Beyond that, it's you go to general class when you want to start doing more long distance communicating. Okay, and. Uh, Sit back, listen, and have a ball. You'll make new friends. Um, you'll find people of like-minded interest. You'd be surprised as to what you end up uh, learning by just by just listening. And when you decide to jump in, key the mic, put in your call sign, and wait for people to come back to you. 
Yeah, that sounds cool. I, I'm, I'm going to probably get started uh, with some of this basic stuff. Because for me, I'm going to have to get started with the basics. It's not something I've ever done before. Well, you know what? It's, it's, it can be intimidating to some people, but you know what? It really isn't. Again, if you can pass a driver's test, you can pass a technician's class test with just a little bit of basic electronics knowledge, which they give you in the book. They give you the question, the theory, and the answer. Nice. You can't go wrong. No, you can't. Well, Mike, this was great. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for listening to my show and being a loyal listener and everything and and talking to us about ham radio. Bob, not a problem. Uh, Anytime I can be of assistance or service, you you know know how to contact me and... uh... You know, I just, I wish you well. I'm going to start a forum post. Are you on the forum? Um, no, but I guess I should be, huh? Get signed up. I'll approve your account. And because uh, there might be listeners that have questions and want to interact with you, and that might be a good way. Okay, well, then what I'll do is I will log on with my usual uh, handle, which is Mickey3Gun. I will look for it, and I'll get it approved. And, uh, Mike, uh, thanks a lot. Folks, his name is Mike Andron from Long Beach, California. Thanks a lot for your help on Ham Radio. Bob, not a problem. And to all those, have a wonderful afternoon. Okay, many thanks to Mike Andron from California. That was good stuff, wasn't it? Appreciate you giving your time, Mike. That's very generous of you, and uh, thanks for listening to the show. I believe he's going to be joining the forum pretty soon, so if you want to converse directly with him and ask him some questions, one of the best things to do would be to get on today's Survival Show forum, which reminds me, if you're not a member of the forum, please consider joining. Just send me an email, bob at todayssurvival.com, and let me know that you joined. To find the forum, go to todayssurvival.com and click the forum button, the forum page, it'll get you there. If you like what I do at today's Survival Show, do me a favor, please consider making an investment in the Survival Champions Club product that I put out. It's a special podcast. Glenn Tate gives part two of building a prepper team. Really good stuff. He gets into even more detail than the interview that we did a couple weeks ago. So that's available for 25 bucks. You can buy it on my site, todayssurvival.com. I do not have sponsors on this show on purpose. I don't want to inundate you with commercials. So I just basically put a call out a couple minutes every episode to invest, uh, get, get some extra knowledge. And I usually put one of these out about every three or four months on a different subject. For 25 bucks, it'll help support the show, and it'll help keep the bills paid here at Today's Survival Show. Again, just go to todayssurvival.com, click the Survival Champions Club podcast, and I've got some older episodes, too, if you're interested in some of the older ones on first aid kits and knife and tool sharpening and using herbs and how to use herbs for medicinal and nutritional purposes, email me and I can get you some information on that, on how to purchase those. Also, Glenn's book, 299 Days, Selling Like Hotcakes. If you want to buy that, please consider buying it through my Amazon account on my website. Go to todayssurvival.com, click recommended books. Also in the show notes, with all the links for the ham radio stuff that Mike and I talked about, you'll also see a link to buy Glenn's book, 299 Days. Proceeds will help today's survival show. 
awesome read. It is really, really a good book. So I think you're very much going to enjoy that. With that said, folks, thanks for listening to episode 197 of today's Survival Show, where it's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. Thanks for tuning in, folks. I'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.